Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today we're on kindness, and uh, I'm so glad I got kindness, and I didn't get, uh, like, gentleness, you know? Um, there's some of the, or self-control, which is another one that I probably should be preaching on. No, what's cool is I get to preach on every single one of these, just in a different way, because I get to preach... Uh, to the kids on Sunday mornings. If I'm not in here, I'm the Family Life Pastor. My name is Pastor Wes. If you don't know who I am, and again, uh, Pastor Mark, your regular uh, pastor, will be back next week. So, uh, but looking forward to him coming back rested and ready to go. Uh, but it is an honor and a privilege to be able to uh, come to you this morning and share the word on kindness. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with kindness, Okay. Sometimes I struggle being kind, and we'll talk a little bit uh, about it. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one in here. I don't know, but I have a feeling I might not be. So Mark Twain said, uh, he said, kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Everyone can feel legitimate kindness. In fact, sometimes I think that children are the best at capturing what kindness is, Okay. Kids feel kindness, and that's probably one of the reasons I love working with kids. They know what legitimate kindness uh, is and what it feels like, but everybody really knows kindness. Everybody can sense it. In fact, when someone shows kindness to try to receive something back, it kind of reeks. It kind of stinks. It kind of smells a little bit, right? You kind of know when someone shows kindness, when they're not really showing kindness, they're really trying to get something back, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, as well. Kindness, according to Webster's Dictionary, the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Synonyms are kindliness, kind-heartedness, warm-heartedness, affection, warmth, gentleness, concern, care. And of course, our tagline is people who care. So I love that about us, that that's how we want to be known to our community, that we are people who care, and we want our community to see that we are people who care. Kindness is putting together a shoebox every Christmas for Operation Christmas Box. And there's, um, I don't know, uh, Jim said there was like two over 200 boxes out there ready to go, and we want to see more boxes. I've got three boxes in my house, and I was thinking about it. We've done this, we've done Operation Christmas Box for probably 10 years now. And so that's like And we do three boxes every year because we have three kids. That's about 30 boxes in the last 10 years. And I'm like, you know what? That actually, that adds up. We're sending it to someone that we will never meet, someone that we will never know, but we want to demonstrate that kindness at Christmas time. Kindness is what Portview showed my family and the other two pastors' families two Sundays ago at Pastor Appreciation. We felt so extremely loved, so appreciated, but it was just a demonstration of kindness. Kindness is a friend giving you five bucks when you need it. Kindness is smiling at someone you don't know, especially if that someone looks grumpy. Kindness is starting a small talk with a clerk or cashier, asking them how their day is and how they really are. Kindness is telling someone something positive about themselves or someone close to them, like their kids. Hey, you know, your kids are awesome. Kids did this during kids' church, or, you know, they listen and behave so well. Way to go, parents. Kindness is 
tying a child's shoe. Kindness is listening to someone when you may have other things to do. Kindness is what our small group actually did this last week. And it wasn't me who did it, by the way. It was uh, someone in my small group said, hey, I have a neighbor. He's elderly. He's moving. He needs help. This is the date. He's moving. Can you guys help? And um, when I showed up late, honestly, because I thought if I show up later, you know, that means more will be done. So, um, no, not really. I, I think I was like five minutes late. But showed up, and I'm like, is this it? This is all that we had to do. And uh, we demonstrated kindness to this gentleman. And what an honor to be a part of that and see that happen. Again, I, wasn't, I just showed up and was a part of that. Someone else planned that. And the daughter of this man even said to, um, to one of our church members, said, what kind of church do you go to? You know, this church is asking for nothing in return and comes out and helps, you know, helps my dad move. Three things that I want you to walk away with this morning about kindness. First of all, God's kindness leads us to repentance, towards repentance. Kindness is best shown when we give it away expecting nothing in return, and kindness always comes full circle. I want to ask you to turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. We're going to look at, we're going to camp out of this story right here, okay? When I, um, when I look at the Bible, I always like to look at individual stories in the Bible. And sometimes it's fun to look at people like Paul or Peter, you know, that are, that are just pillars in our faith that we look up to. And sometimes it's fun to look at the people that, you know, they don't get mentioned that much in the Bible, but when they do, it's extremely important. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. God's kindness leads us toward repentance. The whole essence of kindness is, first of all, God is kind to us. God is kind to us. And in Romans 2, 4, you don't have to turn there, but it says God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's the kindness. And you may look, even think back about uh, your pre-salvation days, how God was kind to you, how he was reeling you in, okay? And how he... He loves you so much that he did things to bring you into relationship with him. First of all, he gave his own life for us. He gave his own life. And we just celebrated that in the, uh, in the communion service and reflecting on that in the communion service, how important that is to remember. If he didn't do anything else for you, salvation right there alone is enough that he saved us and we are on our road to heaven, to be with him in eternity forever. But God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's salvation, and it's much more than just that. And I like to look at Old Testament stories, because a lot of times, Christians, and I think it's easy to do, okay? Because I've been saved for a little while, and sometimes I have this mindset that there's a different God in the Old Testament than there is a, the New Testament. And that's not the truth. He's the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. We just have a greater revelation of him in the New Testament. Hebrews 13.8 says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God's kindness was demonstrated in the Old Testament just as it is demonstrated in the New Testament. Again, we just have a greater revelation of his kindness in the New Testament. So God's, um, God's kindness leads us to repentance. And you're saying, if that's not enough, you got to look back even further and say, you know what? God gave you life. God's kindness brought us into existence, into this planet. So he brought us into this world, gave us life, and then he gave us 
salvation. Those two things right there, in my opinion, is enough to say, wow, God's kindness uh, is, is incredible. And because of that kindness, as Christians, we're to demonstrate that kindness to others, that fruit of the Spirit. And I love, love, love that video that we just saw, realizing that this fruit of the Spirit, this fruit of the Spirit is good for us, right? Isn't that, isn't that how it works? Whatever is in God's Word that He commands us to do, it's actually good for us. It's good for our health. It's good for our minds. It's good for our spirits. It's good for, for us in all kinds of ways, right? And uh, again, that's a secular video showing us the importance of kindness. Number two, kindness is best shown when we give it away expecting nothing in return. And that's when we're going to get into our story today. From the littlest act to the greatest, giving, uh, giving, to, giving God sees what you've done in secret. Okay? God sees what you have done in secret. Right? And so we're going to start off with this story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. And it's all about, we don't even know her name. It's all about a woman, and her name, it, or we know her as the Shunammite woman, okay? And the Shunammite woman was from a little town, village, whatever it was, uh, of the tribe of Issachar, okay, in Israel. And she really wouldn't, we wouldn't know anything about her except for her very first act of kindness. Her very first act of kindness was this was that she met a prophet named Elisha. And I love looking at the stories of the prophets Elijah and Elisha in First and Second Kings. They're pretty amazing stories. They're pretty crazy, cool stories. But this woman, at one point in time, Elisha was coming in town, and she said, and I guess to her husband said, hey, we've got to cook this guy a meal. Okay, we've got to make sure that he eats. And so... In 2 Kings, chapter 4, verse 8, says, One day Elisha went to Shunem. A prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to eat some food. And I always think that's funny, you know, persuaded him. Like, you don't have to persuade me to eat some food, okay? If it's a good home-cooked meal, really, I don't think there was much persuasion that it took place here. It was just like, hey, come on, Elisha, I've got, I've got a good meal, come and eat, you know? Or maybe it was like, hey, Elisha, what's your favorite meal? right? And he said, uh, I don't know, uh, kosher pizza. I don't know. So, but whatever it was, after that, in verse 9, you see, then she said to her husband, oh, I'm sorry, hang on. So when he, whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. So she made such a good meal that he didn't need any more convincing after that. Instead, he sought her out. He's like, hey, knock, knock, knock. I'm here. You good for a meal? She's like, you bet I am. I'm cooking it right now. All right, what do you feel like? Or, hey, I know your favorite meal, Elisha. I'm going to make it. Okay? What I think is so awesome about the story is this all started off with just one meal. Okay? Something that is so easy that you can do for even a stranger. You're like, I wouldn't have a stranger over to my home. I have, but if you don't feel comfortable with that, think about that. You can feed a stranger. You can give them, you know... A McDonald's coupon, if, if that's what it is. Whatever it is, you can do this for a stranger. She did it for a stranger. She didn't know who Elisha was. Elisha didn't know who she was. But because of this meal, there was a relationship that developed. And every time he stopped in town, he's like, hey, I'm here. I'm here to eat. Whoever gives just a cold cup of water to one of these little ones, because he is a disciple, I assure you, he will never lose his reward in Matthew ten forty two. Be kind to the least of these, right? 
and a stranger in our heart. And I'm not saying a stranger is the least of these, but we don't know who strangers are, right? I mean, when we're young, we're told don't talk to strangers. But as we're older, sometimes we still have that like, oh yeah, don't talk to stranger mindset going on, right? Well, you don't know. Sometimes strangers could be angels. And that's what, uh, that's what the word even says, that don't neglect showing hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it, Hebrews 13, 2. So you just don't know who your act of kindness may be going to. But in this situation, the Shunammite woman, her act of kindness was going to a prophet, to a holy man, to the holy man of Israel at the time. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And I think every time I read this scripture, we're all thinking like, Yeah, kill him with kindness! If you are kind to that person, we're going to heap burning coals on him and it's going to burn him up. Yeah! Well, we have to take this into a cultural context, actually. And as, as fun as that sounds, like, kill him with kindness, yeah. That's actually not what it means. I just want to read this. I think this is a good way to look at this. In ancient times, heated coals would be needed for cooking and as a source of heat and light. On very cold nights, it, would, it could be the difference between life and death. If you had to carry hot coals, you would not carry them by the hand as the heat would rush into the hand and the arm. For this reason, people carried them safely on the head in a pottery yard. More to the point, a good person gives coals to their neighbor who is lacking to carry home, be there in physical or spiritual need. So it's actually what it's saying is giving them coals on their head. It's so they can take that coal home and they can, make, they can have their own source of heat and they can have their own source of fire. I've also heard um, it as well as it's a tur- you know, they would wear turbans, right, in the desert uh, in the Mideast, and they would put those coals on their turbans. Either way, if it's a turban or if it's urine, I don't think it matters. But the whole point is, is that if you show your enemy kindness, maybe that individual won't be an enemy at some point in time. Maybe it won't take long for that individual to be a friend. And so kill them with kindness is not about, like, you know, revenge to your enemy. Maybe it's about, you know, showing your enemy that, hey, I, I really actually just want to be your, your friend. So, and I, I talk to kids about this all the time because kids deal with bullying all the time. And typically a bully, when they're a kid, they're just a hurting kid, okay? They're just a hurting kid. And sometimes you can see kids, you know, go from bullies to, you know, being friends with other kids because of an act of kindness shown. So, it's not kill them with kindness. It's, uh, it's showing kindness. So, just maybe as a fruit of the Spirit, it can turn their hearts around. And even better yet... Maybe, just maybe, you can lead him to Jesus. Okay? Maybe you can lead him to Jesus. So the Shunammite woman, back to her, the Shunammite woman showed kindness to a stranger that she didn't know. He became a friend. It was Elisha was the friend. She goes on, and in 2 Kings 4, verse 9, she says, Then, he, then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. So let's make a small room upstairs and put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp there for him. Whenever he comes, he can stay there. And so 
she went from, you know, feeding him every time to really saying, you know, I really want this man to be in our home. And it doesn't just say her, by the way. She convinced her husband. It was a husband-wife thing, okay? She just was the one with the gift of hospitality. And guys, like, that's typically the case, right? A lot of times it's the woman that's like, hey, let's do this for this person. And I don't know about uh, you men, but sometimes I'm like, really, honey? Really? Do we have to? And she always convinces me, and I'm always glad we do. So, uh, But I bet it, was, it probably didn't take too much convincing in this situation. And, of course, the husband agreed and said, yeah, let's do that. Let's make a room for this holy man. Let's make a room for this man uh, in our home. So he not only comes and has free meals, he'll come and stay in our home. So Elisha, I think, felt really privileged, very honored by that. And you'll see that as we continue to move on. Kindness always comes Full circle. Kindness always comes full circle. First of all, we should never expect or want anything back. But guess what? It will come back on us. It will come back on us. The best way I think you can show kindness is right here, is with your mouth, is smile. Mother Teresa said, let us make one point, that we meet each other with a smile. When it is difficult to smile, smile at each other. Make time for each other in your family. Sometimes that's the most difficult people I think to be kind to is the people that you live with, the people that are in your own home, to show them kindness. Because sometimes, you know, you can fake it to the rest of the world and then you come home and the real you comes out, right? But really, our family should be seeing our best. They should be seeing the full extent of our kindness. Our spouses should be seeing our, the full extent of our kindness, not, not the... Uh, not get the leftovers. Be generous. St. Francis of Assisi said, for it is in giving that we receive. And we'll see how this plays out with this woman, this Shumanite woman, where she gave, she gave a meal, then it became multiple meals, then it became, let's house the guy in our home even, because he needs a place to stay, okay? And the kindness did come out of a need, Right? It came out of something she saw he needed. Whatever you sow, you will also reap. Sow seeds of kindness and you will reap kindness. A fruit will always produce more fruit when planted. And again, we're talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And fruits, the seeds have to be planted in order for them to multiply. So in this act of kindness, and again, many times kindness is not convenient. And I could just see, you know, the husband reeling around like, you know, it's not always convenient when he comes to town. It's not always convenient, you know. It's like, maybe I want my favorite meal, not Elisha's favorite meal. But whatever it was, he said, no, we're going to show kindness. In fact, we're going to show, show so much kindness. You're right. We need to house him. We're going to do this for him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. So back to the Shunammite woman. She fed him, she housed him, and then the kindness started coming back to her. Because you see later on in the verse here, one day, this is in uh, verse 11 here, 4, 8, I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 11, one day he came there and stopped and went to the room upstairs to lie down. He ordered his attendant Gehazi, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her and she stood before him. Then he said to Gehazi, say to her, look. You've gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? 
Can we speak on behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She answered, I'm living with my own people. She's like, There's, there, I don't need anything. There's nothing I need. She's, she's really saying like, hey, I'm, just, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this because you need it. I'm not doing this for anything in return here. So he asked, then what should we be done? What should be done for her? Gehazi answered. I think it's interesting that it's um, the servant that actually came up with the answer. Elisha's servant. Well, she has no son and her husband is old. Call her, Elisha said. So Gehazi called her and she stood in the doorway. Elisha said, at this time next year, you you will have a son in your arms. And you would think... Most women, if they heard that from a holy man of God, a prophet of God, you would think that uh, they'd be, oh, awesome, I'm looking forward to this, this is going to be great. But in the, um, the, the heart of the women of the Old Testament, this is not her reaction. Instead, she said, no, my Lord, man of God, don't deceive your servant. So she didn't even believe him, which is crazy, I think, that she didn't even believe a man of God. She's like, oh, no, 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 stop, don't just deceive it, don't just say this flippantly because you want to give me something I don't have. In verse 17, the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the same time the following year as Elisha had promised her. Of course, again, this was Elisha's kindness because he prayed for her, but it was also God's kindness. God's kindness is always better than man's kindness, right? It was God's kindness being placed back on this woman. She wasn't asking for anything. She didn't need anything. She was living with her own people which all this is going to change here in a few uh, chapters, by the way. Her life um, is going to start to go through some, some difficulties, some turbulence. But God is going to be there with her. And not only that, she has a friend who's a holy man of God that helps her out. And, her, and she's shown a lot of kindness to this friend. And this friend starts to pay this kindness back. So kindness comes back to you full circle. And this way it came back to her as... She, she conceived and had a son. It should be done without expecting anything in return, and it may come back in a different way than what you show, but it always will somehow come back to you. Ray T. Bennett says, kindness is not a business. True kindness expects nothing in return and should never act with conditions. So we're going to fast forward a little bit here um, into verses um, 18. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. 18, really, it's to the end of the chapter. But <clears throat> I encourage you to, to read this on your own. What happens is this. is the son grows up. He gets older. He's helping his, his father out in the field. And he comes to his father. And he says, my head, my head. He either has a headache or he has a head injury. The Bible doesn't tell us. Something bad happens with his head. <clears throat> and as his, his, his father sends him back home and says, go... T- Bring him to his mother. And so he's brought to his mother. And the Bible tells us that, she, that this boy sits on her lap until noon. And then he dies. And then he dies. And this woman gets angry. She gets very angry with this whole situation. I mean, um, can't really blame her. Because she's like, I didn't ask for a son. God gave me a son anyway. And now my son is dead. So the Bible tells us in 2 Kings 4. Tells us that... Uh, she takes her son, her son's body, and she lies her son's body on Elisha's bed. She sends for a servant to, uh, from her husband. He comes back, the servant comes back, and the servant brings her to Elisha. She does not tell anybody that he's dead. 
Okay? So, again, this is not something about kindness or not. I don't know if she was just trying to be deceptive. I kind of think she didn't want anyone to know that he was dead because she didn't want the funeral bells to start ringing, right? Because in the Jewish culture, the body was to be buried uh, before sundown, all right? And so I'm thinking that what was going on is she's like, no, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Um, believe that this is really the case or whatever, but she did not tell her husband that her son was dead. She actually said, no, everything's okay. Everything's all right. And so her ser- the servant and her went out to meet Elisha and, got, and she, she grabs onto Elisha's feet and she just starts to cry. And, and Gehazi, the servant says, says I'm, I need to push her away. What's going on here? Why is she doing this? And Elisha even says, no, don't push her away. She's in, ang- she's in anguish right now. Her soul's in anguish. And he says, I don't know why. She's not told me, and the Lord hasn't revealed to me why she's in anguish yet. So the Lord was even hiding this from Elisha at the time. And so, of course, you know, I don't know if it was five minutes, if it was an hour, whatever it was. At some point in time, finally she said, I didn't, I didn't ask for a son. Okay? I didn't want a son. Even Or I didn't ask for a son. But this happened. And he said to his servant, he said, Elisha said to Gehazi, he said, take my staff. Run. Don't even greet anybody. If they talk to you, don't talk to them at all. Run as fast as you can and lay my staff on the boy. And let me know what happens. Okay? And so he's expecting a miracle. He's just like, oh no, something happened to this boy. So instead of being mad, instead of Elisha being mad at this woman, there was such a good relationship with this woman because of all the acts of kindness and the relationship had strengthened over the years that he, his heart was sad for her. And he's like, what can I do for this woman? How can I help her? Of course, Gehazi puts the staff on the boy. Nothing happens. Gehazi comes back and meets Elisha as Elisha and the woman is, they're on their way to where the boy is. And, and he's like, nothing happened. Nothing happened. So what happens in the story is Elisha comes to the room where it's his bed in the room that they have set for Elisha. The boy is on the bed. And the Bible tells us that he stretches his own body out upon this boy. I, I'm always thinking that's kind of gross and disgusting. But hey, you know what? A miracle takes place in this, okay? So Elisha knew something. Um, obviously, he knew that he was supposed to do something. He, he stretches his body upon this boy and he breathes and he prays and life comes into this boy. This boy is healed. He comes back from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but you, know, you, you just give a meal and a house and your son is raised from the dead. That's an extreme act of kindness right there. Not just from God, who it is, but whoever's prayed for your son to come back from that. That's an extreme act of kindness that... She was given from Elisha. And you know what's cool? If it, it, it doesn't actually stop there with the kindness that is given to her. Because not only did she conceive and have a son, and that son was healed 100% back from the dead, which is amazing. There's not that many stories in the Old Testament where people came back from the dead, by the way. Okay? Elisha is two of them. This one, and Elisha's bones actually rose someone from the dead at the end of Elisha's life when he was dead himself. But you can read that on your own time. Um, but something else happens in this story. Because Elisha knows that there's going to be a famine in the land. There's going to be a great famine in the land for seven years. 
She comes to this one, so he comes to this woman in 2 Kings chapter 8 and tells the Shunammite woman, hey, there's going to be a great famine in the land. And he says, you're going to need to leave. You and your family are going to need to leave. He's like, it actually has already started. So there's no prepping. There's just get out of town now. Get out of Israel now. Get out of Judea now. Get out of the, this place. The Bible, and, he, and he says, go wherever you can. It doesn't really matter. Just get out. The Bible tells us that she goes to the Philistines and lives with the Philistines for seven years. Again, she's a prominent woman. She has a lot of money, okay, a lot of resources. Her husband and her are wealthy. She goes seven years. She leaves everything behind because she knows this is a man of God. She knows this, is, this guy knows what she's, he's talking about, right? He rose my son from the dead. Goes there for seven years and stays there. Well, when she comes back, Okay, just imagine if you left your house for seven years that you paid for, right? Someone else is going to be living in it. Or it's going to be, you know, abandoned and, you know, boarded up or whatever. But if it's a nice house, I have a feeling that someone's going to be living there, right? The bank's done something. Somebody, you know, you didn't pay your tax. Somebody's going to take it over. So after seven years of the famine being over, she comes back to find that, hey, someone else is living in our home. Someone else has been plowing our fields, making money off of our land as a farmer. We've lost it all. Everything's gone as as far as um, all of her earthly possessions, okay? Now, I don't know. Maybe she was, maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. It was a big deal, but it was like, hey, we have our lives. My husband's alive. My son's alive. I'm alive. We're, we're, We're alive at least, okay? Elisha's story was true, you know? There was famine in the land for seven years, she comes back to the kingdom. And this is, um, this is the final act of kindness that we see with the Shunammite woman. This is the last time we see her in the Bible. And I'm going to turn to 2 Kings chapter 8. And um, my Bible says at the top, the Shunammite's land restored. So in verse 4, it says, The king had been speaking to Gehazi, the attendant of the man of God, saying, Tell me all the great things Elisha has done. I don't know about you, but I've had it happen to me multiple times in my life where the timing was just perfect. And I'm like, uh, nobody could manipulate that. Nobody could, could make that happen. God's timing was in that. That's the only way I can explain it. Right? That's God's favor. And, you, and, and the world would look at that and say, No, that's ironic. It just happened that way. Circumstances... He just got lucky. I don't believe that. And especially in this situation. Because this king wasn't just any king. This king, the Bible says, was, a, was actually an evil king. I looked it up and I was like, was this a good king or a bad king? Because this was kind of the time of the bad kings. This king was the son of, his name was Jehoram. This king was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. They were like the worst king queen of Israel. They were horrible. Okay? They were like, they were the ones that stole Naboth's vineyard and, I mean, they were just crooked, terrible king queen group. This is the son, okay, who took over the kingdom afterwards. Jehoram. J-E-H-O-R-O-M. He took it over. And he, the Bible says he was evil. It actually says he wasn't as evil as Ahab, but he was still evil. Okay? So at this point in time, for whatever reason, he was really interested in Elisha. And he had Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, in his, in his throne room. And he said, tell me the stories of Elisha. And Gehazi says, oh man, let me tell you this one time. 
oh, this one time, this boy died, right? This boy, first of all, wasn't even supposed to be born because the, the husband was old and, and she was old. And, but, you know, Elisha prophesied and said, this, this, uh, son, you will have a son by the time that this next year. And it happened. And that was, that was the first miracle. And, but then this son died. And this son died, and, and, she, and this woman laid uh, this son on Elisha's bed and went and let Elisha, you know, went and told Elisha about it. And he's like, you know, I, Elisha told me to go run, put the staff on the boy, that he would be healed, and nothing happened. I was like, oh, no, we're in trouble now, Elisha. Every time you tell me to do something, it happens. This time it didn't work. What am I going to do? And then he was telling the king all about the story. And he, the, the boy's raised from the dead. He came back. He's fine. He's healthy. He's alive. And as he's telling the story, the woman is ushered into the throne room. And guys, he's like, ah, look, that's the woman. This is crazy. Timing. Wow, look at this. So what's really cool about this is the king asked the woman. In verse 6, she told him the story. So the king appointed a court official for her, saying, restore all that was hers, along with all the income from the field from the day she left the country until now, she not only got her land back, whoever was still taking care of the land had to give her the income. All right, so an official from the king came and said, hey, you got to give it back to this woman. It's this woman's land. And I don't know, this woman's got some special favor from the king, so don't argue, or it could be your life, right? And so she was, everything that was taken from her was restored. Now, in the beginning of the story, what Elijah said, or Elisha, I'm sorry, says to Gehazi was like, should we go to the king on her behalf? Right? And she's like, no, why would I need that? She needs that at the end of the story. And Elisha's not even there. He's not even there to have to do any work. It was Gehazi in front of the king saying, hey, that's the lady. You know, that's the woman. And he says, let's restore it back. So all from one simple meal and a ha- an act of kindness and hospitality of like, hey, we've got we've to do you know, something for this holy man. He's a good man. This is a man from God. She would have known that if she wasn't kind in the beginning, by the way, right? She could have just blown him off as any other. Well, he must be some bum just coming through. We don't know who this guy is. We don't care. Be on your way, man. Get out of town. You, you look crazy. You got a robe and you're bald. And um, I don't know. Who are you, right? No, she gave him a meal. And then she got to know him and said, this, guy's a, this guy, we need to make sure we feed him every time. Let's house him. So pretty amazing story right there. Pretty cool. And I just... You know, think about the times in your own life where someone was kind to you or you were kind to that someone. And I was just kind of thinking about that as well before I um, came into this. And I thought, you know, I remember my wife uh, many years ago, um, as my kids were in elementary school, it was pastor, or I'm sorry, it was uh, teacher appreciation week. I think it was teacher appreciation week. We said, we, we need to do, I almost said pastor appreciation week. Uh, teacher Appreciation Week. And we need to do something for the principal. I said, okay, let's do something for the principal. And uh, she said, you know, I need you to you know, make something. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do that. And she wrote a real kind note. We gave it to the, to the principal. We didn't think anything about it, but we're like, you know, we need to honor the principal. We need to show kindness to this principal, you know. Years later, after that happened, my wife was walking the hallway of the school, and this principal, the same principal, came up. And we developed a relationship, a good relationship with this principal. And she's like, hey, I need, I need lunch supervisor, monitors. Are you interested in working here? My wife was like, yeah, that sounds like a fun job. I mean, 
when kids see you as your, you know, you take care of lunch and recess, the favorite subjects for a kid in school, it's all good, right? It's all good. And so she said, yeah, I'll do that. And so she's doing that to this day. She loves it. She loves this job. She gets to work with kids all the time, and they give her hugs, and they just, they're very, you know, she's kind to them, and she feels the kindness coming back to her. All out of a simple act of kindness, just like to the principal, like, hey, we got to do something kind to this principal, right? Again, not expecting anything back, not wanting anything back, but kindness always does come back when you show it. And it may not come back from that individual. It may come back from a complete different individual. But just think the people that need our kindness the most are the ones that typically get it the least because um, they need it. But they come across grouchy or they come across rude or inconsiderate. And uh, those are the people that really need to, sh- to see the love of Jesus. They really need to see kindness demonstrated. But really, everybody needs to see kindness demonstrated. So, all right. Well, I just want to close in uh, benediction. Um, if you could, everyone could just close their eyes and bow their heads. Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for this uh, fruit of the Spirit kindness, that you have given us kindness first, God, that you have poured that kindness out on our lives every single day. First of all, because you've given us life. Second of all, because you've given us salvation. And Lord, you just, but you show us that kindness every single day. And many times that kindness comes through the acts of others that, uh, that are in our lives. Sometimes it's through family members. Some, sometimes it's through strangers. And Lord Jesus, I pray that every one of us would be an avenue of kindness to other people in our lives, God. If it's complete strangers, God, or if it's uh, people that we live with, our own spouses, our children, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just give us um, Just give us that intentionality, Lord, that thoughtfulness, Lord, to say we need to do this every single day, uh, to act in kindness and consideration, God. It is a fruit of the Spirit that you um, put in as the nine fruits for such a very, very important reason, God. And we just thank you so much, Lord, for this time together. And God, as we go out of this place today, we just thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen.